don't be afraid, Amy. Come on. Come on. You're not calling this uncomfortable conversations with an Asian woman for nothing. <laughs> Hey, it's me, Amy Vallejo, with Social Creative Uncomfortable Conversations. I don't know if you're new to Social Creative Conversations or if you join us for regular dialogues, but either way, I'm so glad to have you with us today. Our space explores the women behind many creative brands. We connect through conversation and stories because as you well know, we are more than just a pretty little tile on a social media platform. We live full lives with the complexities and beauty to share, to learn, and to grow from. And my hope is the sharing of our lives and learnings deepens our connections so much greater. Today, we're here at the end of a three-part series we've done with Mimi Jung. Mimi is an award-winning journalist, a TV news anchor, a public speaker, a mom of two girls, and she's also a creative. It's honest conversations about her life as an Asian American woman, her own experiences with discrimination, and the transformation journey as we investigate our own bias and our own parts in the story of discrimination and inequity. It was such a privilege to listen to Mimi's journey as an Asian American woman, her fears, her thoughts, her vulnerabilities, her frustrations, how she wants to change it for her own children. My tiny intro will not do this whole series justice, even if I tried. So I encourage you to go listen to any of the conversations that you may have missed and then engage in conversations with your own family, your own friends, the people that you interact with. I know I have. In fact, I'll even go as far as to say that I've probably had more conversations in the last couple months than I have had about discrimination in the last 10 years. Today we talk about model minority myth and action bias and how I even notice about myself how change happens over a longer period of time. Not to say that we shouldn't change things immediately, but to say that we need both transactional change and transformational change. And transformational change comes from the heart space. It comes from listening and giving time to absorb stories and hear hurts and pains. Not to fix, but to befriend. To say, I see you. Your hurt and pain is not invisible. Mimi and I talk about the bravery of Asian Americans who are speaking up right now and how powerful words are. We started this conversation when Asian American hate crimes were on the rise and very publicly displayed and on every news station. And such is the case with any news cycle, the spotlight has dimmed down and the conversation isn't as top of mind. Which tells me this is the exact right time to release this episode so that conversation can continue to happen. And I hope they happen in your circles. All right, let's jump in. Thanks for being a part of this conversation. Earlier in this conversation, you and I were talking about how, you know, um, as a as an anchor, how do you maintain your composure and not share your emotion when you are clearly feeling something? Right. And, and how I know that the platform that I have via social media and, and, and what I do every single day on TV is the ability to be able to tell these stories of what's happening in the Asian American community, to talk to my managers about content, about making sure that we're covering these stories. But 
more than that, when I speak and I'm a voice, I know people will listen because of what I do. And if there's anything I can take away from my career and say, you know what, I was put on this earth Mm -hmm. to do this for this reason, I want to use it. Mm -hmm. I wanted to share this with you, Mm -hmm. you know, after, after the shootings in Atlanta, you know, so many Asian Americans were dealing with just so many different emotions surrounding that, you know, I felt like, I'm not sure if people get it. I feel like we're telling the story and we're talking about all these statistics, you know, the number of hate crimes have gone up this percentage and in this year, but are people stopping and going, oh my gosh, do they really understand the hurt? Like what examples Mm -hmm. of, of what is happening from not just people being killed, not just people being assaulted, but hateful messages being left on people's, you know, lawns and doorstep, mm-hmm. people shouting racist things to other people. This one morning, I just read a couple of things on social media. I feel like we should set the story up by sharing. And luckily my producer said, okay, we'll, we'll do it. So we put it on the air and I just want to share this with you. Today marks a national day to speak out against hate toward Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders. Leaders around the country want to draw attention to the nearly 4,000 AAPI crimes that have been reported in the past year. We're not just talking about assaults and attacks on people. Here are some other examples. Stop AAPI has heard from some people saying that 21% of incidents involve shunning or avoidance. For example, one incident, a ride-sharing driver said to someone, damn, another Asian riding with me today, I hope you don't have any COVID, and leaned his head out the window. 7% of incidents reported to stop AAPI hate involve coughing or spitting. A Pacific Islander said they were at the mall when a woman coughed and said, you and your people are the reason why we have corona. Go sail a boat back to your island. Are you okay? I am. These rallies will happen across the country to speak out against Asian hate crimes. The president and the vice president will be taking part in an event in Georgia where Asian American women were shot and killed a few weeks ago. We stand with you, Mimi. We stand with everyone in the AAPI community, all of us, and uh, we hear you. I think it's really important to share these stories, so I made an effort to try to give people examples of the hate um, that is happening in our community. I'm not sure if the people really, really understand, so it's important that we listen. Everyone can make a difference. Yeah. That's the the point. Yep, we can all do better. Uh, I think that, you know, um, I think you could hear. Mm. I mean, I didn't realize in that moment Mm. that I was going to start crying, clearly. I share that example because you can hear passion in my voice, Mm -hmm. but what you also heard and witnessed was that's, it cuts deep. That, that, that hurt is something that I've personally experienced. I have to push through, through my tears, through this giant lump in my throat, because I need for people to hear the story from me. Not that I should be the only person to tell these stories, I shouldn't, everyone should be telling these stories. But for me, it was important that I made sure I followed through. And that's where the human part of me couldn't hold back any longer. Like I couldn't just read, I've been reading these stories on the news for a while now and have had to try to clench my fists and, you know, try to just read them and and not be, read them like completely outraged and, 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 or hurt by it. And, um, in that example was just one where it's clear that the hurt is very, it's just below the surface. The feedback I got 
from people was they stopped that morning and they looked at the TV and they heard. You know, I share those stories because I, I really want people to understand um, what is hate? What what forms form does hate come in? And it, it comes in all kinds of forms and that words matter. Thank you for sharing that. I try, I'm just like thinking about this last year too, just how a feeling or an emotion can be just below the surface and it can be so palpable and it makes more of an impact when you just feel it out loud, right? Like even with what happened this last year, for me, there was this frenzy of hearing the numbers, hearing the stats, wanting to like read all the books, do all the things. Like, so it goes from that to then hearing stories of people and hearing your emotion, which is far more impactful than a book I would have ever read or stat or anything like that. Seeing how you are feeling makes more of an impact on me and helping me understand how deep that is, you know? And I think that that example of the the pain that you heard in my voice doesn't, it's not coming from a place of, oh, mm-hmm. just recently we've been seeing attacks on Asians. Right. Because sometimes I get the response from people, um, the response is, oh, everybody's just suddenly, where does this come from? It's a, I think it's sadly a very sincere question. Yeah. They don't understand. Yeah. They think wow, all these, all these Asian Americans sure getting upset about a few people being beat up. I don't get it. People get beat up in this country all the time. I mean, really. But the point is, is that I try to look past that ignorant statement, what might come off as sounding ignorant and go, okay, people don't actually think or don't realize that it is not just in this past year. It is decades and decades of hurt or someone's personal experience of going through decades of facing racism or discrimination where you start telling a story of something that happened to you or something that happened to someone else that basically was a similar story to someone that happened to you. It sounds like you're telling that story again. And so that comes from history. It doesn't just come from something that happened last week. And that collectively as Asian Americans in this country, that is a very similar feeling. This is not just something that just recently happened. And we're not just angry about that or upset or hurt about that. It's just an example of history of of what we faced as Asian Americans in this country forever. And when people make excuses or people say, well, it's just words or nobody died or, you know, people have faced worse or they start comparing other communities of color and what they faced. None of that's comparable. We shouldn't be comparing. My suffering should be compared to somebody else's suffering, whether that's better or worse. Mm -hmm. My suffering is my suffering. The people in my community and culture have suffered differently and should be treated as such, but it comes from somewhere. And that's the point where when people ask, I don't really understand the hurt and the pain that Asian Americans are feeling. I don't really get it. I mean, kind of get it, but I don't really get it. I hope that when you hear in my voice, when I'm talking about someone's story, that you get that it comes from a deep place of years and years and years of, of facing that type of thing. It's not new to us, but it doesn't hurt any less. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say something that as I'm thinking out loud, this is one of those places where I'm like, man, I hope this is a this doesn't come off ignorant and stupid, but 
here we go. It's almost this thing for me of like, you don't know what you don't know. Uh, Meaning, sure, there was discrimination, but where I live in Seattle, I don't see it all the time. I know in this last year, I feel like the blinders have flown off my eyes and I see things in a, in a new way, not only because I'm what I'm seeing, what I'm hearing from personal experiences, just like your experience where I'm feeling it from a new level because I am being educated by you on what you have felt. It is what used to happen, but what is still happening. And, and Amy, you don't see it the way I see it. It doesn't happen to you the way it happens to me. And so for me, it's like the scales are coming off my eyes in like crazy ways. And because of you sharing those experiences and you breaking the silence, even for you as you're watching celebrities come forward and speaking out and it's giving more people more courage, that more, more, more is helping me be educated and and, and understand at an entirely different level, even though I will never understand because our experiences are different. You know what I mean? But, Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and, and I, I want to say that I can identify with what you're saying right now, because in some ways that is how I felt as I started to see all these protests across the country after George Floyd died, Mm -hmm. um, among my black friends and community and coworkers, that same sort of I am so embarrassed Mm -hmm. that I didn't understand to the degree that I should the depth of their pain. Their pain was always there. Their shouting from the rooftops Mm -hmm. was always, it it, it had been happening for decades. But for me, I was not paying attention to it the way that I should. And for me to say that out loud is embarrassing. I feel like, oh gosh, mm-hmm. shouldn't I have known better? Shouldn't, I mean, yes, just to a certain, you, you cerebrally, mm-hmm. you understand something, but there's a difference between understanding something cerebrally and really understanding it with your heart and to fully hear someone's experiences. And do you know why? Mm-hmm. Do you know why I didn't? It's because I didn't have those conversations either. Mm-hmm. And I, I regret so many, I, I don't know. I don't know if I would say there were even opportunities to have them. That's the thing. It's not something you're, you're going around the water cooler saying, Oh, Hey, how was your weekend? And so, you know, what are your thoughts on systemic racism today? Right. <laughs> you know, so did you, did you get racially profiled this right. weekend? I mean, you're, it's, it, these aren't things that you talk about. I mean, my, one of my black colleagues, Joyce, mm-hmm. she, she has in, in certain conversations after certain stories, these are conversations that we've had in the newsroom. Of course, we're journalists. Like we, right. we have these conversations. And then personally, we also have them. She's told me stories about her, about her son, you know, about being questioned by the cops mm-hmm. and, you know, cooperate. And this is what you say. And I'm listening to all of this. And I'm, wow, gosh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I am much more aware that these are things that, that, that I don't have to teach my kids. That's just scratching the surface. But yes, I've had certain conversations, but not to the degree where I felt like, you know, like you describe, like mm-hmm. suddenly your eyes are opened mm-hmm. and it's not foggy anymore. Mm-hmm. You're seeing things like you've never seen. And I guess my, my point is, is that I admit that too. And I've started reading and listening and asking questions and um, it's hard. It's hard to, to admit and to realize things that you feel like you should have realized, right. but 
I want to let you know it's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a reason for that. And that's not your fault or anybody else's. But I do think that, that there are people who are willing to talk about it. And you have to ask the questions. Like if you want to grow and if you want to learn and just understand where you live and the people you live among, this is so important. And, and not to mention really, we need you, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we need, because unfortunately we need our white allies. Mm -hmm. We need voices and people like you to speak up. In fact, your voices are louder than ours Mm -hmm. could ever be. And so the more that you're learning and the more that you're growing, the more that you can use your platform and your voice to speak, to impact others so that they can also be changed. Mm -hmm. Because I'm not sure, I fear you know, how, how long will Asian Americans speak up? Right. And, and when will, when will the news cycle be over on this story right. of the pain and the crime and the hurt and the racism and discrimination that doesn't end. Right. And so we, we need, we need people like you mm-hmm. to, to, to fight for us. Well, certainly we need um, both. Cause I'm just, I was thinking about um, just how powerful sharing is you know, when, when someone else is sharing something, you can have that, you know, you, you had said it, actually, you said, yes, exactly that. That's exactly how I was feeling. And you resonated right with somebody. Um, The more we speak up, the more we share, the more curious, the more inquisitive, the more all all of that. Um, That's how we can continue to grow and move the needle and, um, I, I'm curious with that and and what you have noticed hearing someone within the Asian community speak up or be at a riot or, or do whatever and you're like, yes, thank you for saying that. That's how I felt and I didn't even realize I did. Do you have, do you feel a new sense of responsibility to share and speak out like now um, just being a voice of courage for a lot of people. I do. And, you know, I want to say that it, it started when I shared my story Mm -hmm. with um, my um, colleagues at the station during our DEI workshop. Mm -hmm. And when I spoke for the first time about my story, I was so scared. I thought, oh my gosh, I, well, words were coming out of my mouth and I didn't know where they were coming from. I I just, you know, and emotions were, were just so apparent that I, I couldn't have planned it. I couldn't have, I don't even know why I raised my hand to to volunteer Mm -hmm. to share my story. Who is is this person? (laughs) What are you doing? Um, And, and I did, but then I, I thought, okay, people were so, my colleagues who, who saw me, they saw me in a completely different way. And I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that people don't see me differently, Mm. which is weird. Mm. I mean, they, because I feel so different Mm -hmm. (laughs) that they're like, oh, Mimi, wait, these are educated journalists Mm -hmm. who are saying, Mimi, this happened to you? Mm. Like they, it's almost, and I'm thinking, what do you mean this happened to me? Like, of course it happened to me. What, what, what makes you think it didn't happen? Like I'm immune to this. Wow. And they just said, we just, just, I just see you as, you know, you're, you're just my colleague and you're smart and you're, you're professional, you put together. And I just didn't realize that. And it's part of that, I think, is what is called the model minority myth. I don't know if you've heard of this term, Mm -mm. but it is, 
It is what Asians have to deal with. And that is that we are considered the model minority. Mm. And the problem with that is, so the myth is that Asians are successful. They, you know, in this, in, in this country, they, they are more likely to succeed and thrive. And, you know, they don't, they don't, they don't um, suffer from the same types of racism and discrimination that other communities of color deal with. Mm. The problem with that is, while yes, many Asians are successful, that when you assume that if you're successful and um, that you must not deal with that, that must not happen to you. Mm. And if that's the case, then you can't you can't understand and appreciate and you can't wrap your head around the fact that yes, we we do suffer from hate crimes and we do suffer from racism and prejudice and discrimination. And not all of us are successful. Many of us struggle. We come from immigrant families who are running, you know, dry cleaners and restaurants and you know, we, we don't make a lot of money and we're not middle-class. We might be lower class. And so, so these things happen to us as well. And so sometimes when people think like, oh, you're successful, then that you must not have faced that. Then they just, that you become sort of invisible. And that's, a, that's, I think, a big part of why maybe people just don't think that happens happened to me. Right. So by, by sharing that, suddenly it opened the door for me to realize I need to talk more about this because people do need to hear it from someone like me. Mm-hmm. I opened my colleagues' eyes, many, many, many of them who shared with me how that struck a chord. And many of them were very vulnerable to say mm. to me, either I was that person mm. in elementary school who didn't want to work with the Asian girl. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. To say that, to admit that, like, thank you for, gosh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know you were that Asian girl that I didn't want to work with, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. because they know me as an adult. Right. They see me as a professional. They see me as a colleague. They don't see me as less than, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. so it's, it is important that I use my voice and the more I use it, the more I realize that I can use it for good. Mm. How are you empowering that, even just speaking empowerment of that for your own kids with their friends in mm-hmm. their communities, whether it be sports or dance or whatever it is. Well, first of all, it started with me sharing these experiences as a child, yeah. began sharing right. stories of their grandmother, my mother mm-hmm. and father, and the way they grew up. They just, they can't believe it. They, they can't yeah. believe that their mother went through that and they need to know that, mm-hmm. you know, they need to know that those are my experiences that that they're not experiencing that. And this is why, mm-hmm. um, if they do, this is why, you know, they don't have Asian names. Right. They, they, you know, their dad is mm-hmm. white. Mm-hmm. They have a, a white last name. They are half Asian. They don't even, they look more white than Asian. Mm-hmm. And so they don't just on the, just, just be by their very appearance. They don't get that same type of discrimination um, that I experienced growing up. So I have to tell them you are half Chinese mm-hmm. and you have Chinese relatives in, in, in Chinese aunts and uncles. And these are the kinds of things I'm worried about. When I see an older woman being beat up, mm-hmm. It's like, and I hear her wailing in Cantonese, Mm -hmm. this pain and hurt, and he hit me. I am hearing my mother or grandmother. It's like, you know, like that could be Ma, Papa, Mm -hmm. or, you know, 
I, I just have to let them know that I, I worry about my mom. I worry about my family members. This is very real to me. I, I have to make sure I have to check in. And I've got to particularly check into my mom because she, I'm sure, experiences all kinds of, of these things. Recently took her to get um, her vaccine. Mm-hmm. And we were standing in line. And um, the nurse comes up to us. My mom is very friendly. She's uh, just got a very energetic personality and she's, she's very excited. She's getting her first vaccine, you know, Mm -hmm. she's like, hi, you know, and immediately you could just, you could tell English is her second language Mm -hmm. just by the first couple of words. And the nurse immediately just looked at me. My mom is talking to her. My mom is clearly speaking English with her Mm -hmm. and talking with her and she is ignoring my mother. She is not she's invisible. And I'm standing there just like, Mm. she can speak. Right. And, and she's trying to converse with my mother and I'm having to stand there, like trying to navigate this uncomfortable moment. The second time we went to go get the vaccine, we checked in and a different nurse looked, didn't even speak to my mom. She looked at me and she said, and what's, what's her birthday? And I looked at my mom and go, what's your birthday mom? Like I did, I, 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 that's unconscious. Like I didn't say her birthday immediately. I just, I looked at her. I was like, what's your birthday mom? And she, she started speaking. And this woman was mortified. Yeah. She felt terrible. She assumed I was a translator. Yeah. And just in that moment, it's like, she kept Mm -hmm. apologizing and I kept apologizing for like, I was like, no, 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 it's okay. It's okay. And it was just this awkward moment. It's like, why did you think like, what's the assumption here? Why? Just because I'm with her, Mm -hmm. just because I look that I, I'm not sure what's happening here. Mm -hmm. And my kids need to know that they need to know that these things happen to my mom. And in addition, if my mom were to face racist remarks at the grocery store, she's not going to tell because this is the kind of thing she's dealt with for 40 years. Mm -hmm. You know, I got to make sure she's okay. Mm -hmm. Mom, has anybody said anything to you today? Is, you know, do you feel safe when you're walking outside? My kids need to know I'm worried about for her. And this is their grandmother because I don't think they would otherwise realize if I'm not having these conversations with my own kids, Mm -hmm. and if you're not having these conversations with your kids, then we're all just going to be unaware and be surprised when one day the lead story on the news is hate crimes against Asians are on the rise. Right. Thinking of COVID as it relates to COVID, and it relates to anti-Asian rhetoric that we have been hearing for the last couple of years. Have you had a moment where you experienced the pain of that rhetoric? I have not had anybody personally say anything to me. Mm-hmm. I've luckily not experienced any type of verbal or physical assault, mm-hmm. but sometimes people will look at me and, and I'm very aware. Like I, 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 do they blame me for COVID? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, my family is from China. I am Chinese. Like, am I a target? Do what do they think? You know, I have to. That crosses my mind now. No, where wherever I go, and when people look at me differently, I think: Are they looking at me because of that? Or are they looking at me because of something else? I don't really know. Mm-hmm. But that's really the extent of what I have faced. Which, you know, I'm I'm lucky to say I haven't had any any incidents to the level of needing to report that. Mm-hmm. But I've had that happened to friends. But it's still the feeling because I know that like a couple people had shared just when I had uh, shared with my social creative audience that they had those feelings of like kind of looking around, you know, that even with a mask, right? Like feeling like people are looking at them a different way. I can't imagine how that would have felt to walk through and have that language be floating around everywhere Mm -hmm. and then walking around and feeling 
eyes that are just different, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the only thing I can relate, like in terms of um, have you relate to is, you know, if you're, 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 if you're a mask wearer and you believe in masks right. and this person walks in and is not wearing one, what kind of look do you give them? Mm-hmm. <gasps> you're one of those people. Mm-hmm. And oh, what, now what's your family like? Mm-hmm. You know, oh, you're one of those parents. You know, you, you suddenly make these judgments against mm-hmm. them. You don't know, but you, you are eyeing them in a different way. You're looking at them in a different way. Mm-hmm. And that's that look. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll start to wrap up, but I did have someone asked a question and sort of put forth a scenario when we're thinking about maybe how the community can feel uh, invisible, not seen. And we're thinking about like, how do we come alongside, right? Um, As far as support, what is the best way, this was one of the questions that came in, what is the best way to not be a bystander? What is the best way to support the Asian or BIPOC or any minority for that matter, who is feeling discrimination? And her scenario was, she was, you know, how do you say to a stranger, I see you, I recognize your hurt. Is that awkward? Is there an expectation that even as a stranger, you would receive that. Um, she was like picking up pho. She was saying she was picking up pho and she didn't know the person, but it was right in the middle of when all of the publicity around Asian hate crimes and videos were coming out and it was so palpable. And she mm-hmm. was like, I want to in some way say, I see you. Your pain is not invisible, but it's also a stranger. Is there, is that stranger wishing someone would say something even though they don't know each other? I don't know. I'm, I'm curious just to get your thoughts on that. Yeah. I, that's, I think that's a really good question because I've asked that myself, mm-hmm. you know, how do I, you know, for other Asian Americans that I've come across recently, strangers and our friends, you know, it, it's just kind of a wink, like, right. Ooh, like we just <laughs> look at each other and it's right. like, mm, I see you. Yeah. I see you. Yeah. We know, you know, mm-hmm. It's hard for me to say, because I know if someone said to me, I see you, I'd probably just start crying. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I don't, you know, I can't speak for every Asian American in my community to say like, if they, if they're, if they're feeling pain, mm-hmm. if everybody is feeling that mm-hmm. hurt. So I, I don't know. I think the safest thing I would think of, I can think of to say would or to do would just be to acknowledge the things that they appreciate about that person, Mm -hmm. about what they provide in their life. That is, I see you. Yeah. That saying, I see you, that's not saying I see your pain. For example, if she was picking up pho, she might say, hey, I just want to let you know that I really appreciate your restaurant and your pho is delicious. And I know you guys work really hard and I just wanted to let you guys know that you mean a lot to me Mm. and your food means a lot to my family. Mm. And I really appreciate that you're a part of our community. Mm -hmm. That who, who says that when you go pick up pho, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Who says that when you're at the nail salon, Mm -hmm. who says that when you're at the dry cleaner, Mm -hmm. you know, thank you for what you do. Mm -hmm. That is, to me says that I see you, I appreciate you, 
you belong, you're a part of my life. Mm. And I see that I recognize that, Mm. which means that if someone recognizes that, that potentially that could lead them to say, and I see your pain, right? I feel, I feel your pain that could lead to at least that can lead to conversation that might eventually lead to one that where that person can express, wow, there is hurt there. And I see that hurt too. You're so right. Yeah. Well, okay. Are there any other embarrassing questions that you're dying to ask? <laughs> no, I'm like, <laughs> no, I mean, is there anything that you're like, you know what? I've always wanted to ask her this, but I just, I don't know how to ask it or no, have I answered every question that you have? Uh, no. So I'll, I'll, I'll share one thing and then we'll wrap up. It's interesting when, you know, when you, um, I was listening to this thing and they were talking about action bias, bias, which is like, I see a problem and my the white community or my white self is like, this is happening. I feel embarrassed. I feel uncomfortable. I feel vulnerable. And now I'm going to come in and I'm going to jump in for you, Mimi, and I'm going to solve this problem. I'm going to do it because this is, this is making me feel very vulnerable. And so if I jump in and try to help and do something that I feel like I'm less uncomfortable or like when everything with the death of George Floyd happened and all the writing and everything. And there was like, right. There was like this explosion of, I am downloading 30 books on, you know, everything I need to know. Almost right. like I'm going to fix it. I'm going to fix it really fast. One of the things that I was just, as I was reflecting back on this year and reflecting on how I was like, oh man, I did that because, you know, of the shame that I felt of like wanting to fix something so fast, but you can't fix something so fast. Something that has been going on for that long that you're also a part of, you don't step in to fix it. It takes time and, uh, you know, time to, to pause, time to reflect. And, and there's some times where it's okay that I don't understand everything. I guess I've just noticed like it takes time to hear stories. And those for me, I'm not saying you can't have one without the other. I think you need both. Just giving it time to be able to process, to learn, to grow, mm-hmm. to hear, to hear the real pain, to hear the real struggle. I was like, man, you know, thinking how we're how ridiculous. What did I think I was just going to like grow overnight? Because the growth that I have now, the learning that I'm, the education that I'm receiving now, the learning from everyone's stories, that doesn't stop there. It, it goes on to my kids and how I'm, change doesn't happen overnight. Change happens incrementally over an amount of time, you know? Yeah. And I can relate to that. I mean, right after George Floyd died and there was all these protests, I was learning, I, I was hungry to learn too yeah. because of my own reconciling my own identity and what I knew about race and how I felt about race and in my own personal experiences and all of that, you know, I picked up the book. So you want to talk about race, started reading it. And I just recently started reading it from the beginning Mm. with a whole different, just a different, a renewed perspective, another perspective, not a renewed perspective, just a different, I'm now diving in a little bit more, same word, but that's why it takes a long time. It takes a long time to learn 
and to grow. And you can't change systemic racism overnight. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people ask, what can I do um, as an individual? And I struggle with that sometimes because that's where my word helpless on my list is. Mm -hmm. I don't know what you can do because there's so much that's wrong. Where do you even begin? And I think that the, the, the one thing that you can do today that people aren't doing, and it's super simple, is if you are hearing among your friends a racist joke, a racist comment, anything along those lines, that inside you got that feeling of, and you have never said anything. Mm -hmm. You laugh along with it. You sort of, you know, brush it off. Stop. Stop. Get uncomfortable. Put yourself in an uncomfortable position to say, wait a minute, that's not right. Do you know what you just said? Please don't speak that way around me. Let people know where you stand on that because silence is complicity. Mm -hmm. And if you aren't saying anything, you're allowing that to be acceptable. And from that is a seed and it grows. Mm -hmm. And if you yourself aren't standing up for other people, your Asian friend, your Black friend, your Native American friend, your Hispanic friend, whatever comments people are making that seem harmless, it's going to continue and it continues to grow into something else, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's what you can do. Mm -hmm. Super simple that I'm sure, I mean, I'm guilty of it. Yeah. I'm guilty of it for other reasons because I'm just trying to assimilate and not trying to make waves. So I haven't spoken up either. And that's where I go, you know what? No more. Yeah. No, I can't. I I, I don't, I I don't want to teach my kids to be silent, certainly stand up for themselves and stand up for other people. If you think about the number of times in your life that you've been in those situations, I'm sure there are Mm -hmm. many. Well, and I'll just share quickly something that just happened very recently with me. I had used incorrect language on a story that I posted on social media and did the story so fast that I didn't even realize what I had said. And then Mm -hmm. I got called out on it and I was mortified because I looked back and I was like, well, first of all, I was like, wait, I don't understand. And then all the emotions, right. I was more, I was defensive. I was like, huh? Mm -hmm. And then ultimately I was like, you know, Jake and I had this big conversation about it because I was like, I'm actually so glad that they noticed it and called Mm -hmm. it out because I hadn't even realized, I hadn't even realized. And as other people are seeing the language that I just used, Mm -hmm. it impacted so much more than just my little tiny tile or story. Right. And so I was so appreciative to be called out, even though it was quite uncomfortable, but Mm -hmm. that's, how I, that's how we grow. Yeah. That's how we learn. That's such a good example. That's such a good example of you being put in a comfortable position. Mm -hmm. You maybe you clearly didn't mean that Mm -hmm. you didn't know Mm -hmm. what you had done. Mm -hmm. And there are certain situations where that's true of other people. Mm -hmm. They didn't know that that was offensive or racist. Mm -hmm. And in some other cases, people do. Mm -hmm. And either way, they should be called out and you should, you know, thankfully the person who did for you, you know, was courageous enough to, to point that out. And that's where you can also use that courage to do the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I will say like the person who did it was just very gracious and we were both very respectful of each other. And it it just was a very, it was a, a wonderful exchange, a valuable 
teachable exchange of words. So anyways, well, let me, let me just conclude this. We usually do a post process thing, which is where I go in, I find something that you've posted and then I just want more words. Mm. You posted, this is right after, this was the video that I had talked about earlier in our first um, segment, but it was on May 31. So we're almost coming to a year and it was you had been, you know, reporting all day at the riots and seeing the chaos in, in the greater Seattle area. And this is what you wrote. And it was attached with a video that you had shared where you were expressing deep, deep emotion. And you say, as I wrap up my day and see the looting that is happening in Bellevue right now, I'm holding on to the hope and goodness I witnessed this morning. People who spontaneously showed up to clean up the downtown area, the mother who brought top pot donuts for strangers, the driver who hopped out of her car and dropped off two cases of bottled water and drove away. I'll remember the many people who stood in front of damaged businesses with tears in their eyes, a sign of the hurt and heartbreak they are feeling. I'm feeling that too. I'm feeling very vulnerable posting something so raw here, but I know I'm not alone in how I feel. And just speaking back to our conversation where you spoke out, you expressed true emotion. And I know like I looked back at the comments that people wrote. I feel the same. Just so many people resonating. What prompted you to pick up your phone and take a video and like share more? Well, I was driving home and I was thinking about all this on my drive home and processing it as I was driving home. And I actually, before I got home to my kids, Mm. I pulled the car over to the side of the road Mm. and I just turned my camera on Mm. and I just spoke. Mm -hmm. I wanted people to know through the, through the eyes of a reporter mm. who saw what happened firsthand, what it was like for me, but also what I witnessed, the stories that came out of it to share with others. The, the, these are the emotions behind the images. This is what it was like to have someone walk around and see all these things and witness this. And what did it mean for me? And I know that people who were watching that morning, who also saw, you know, because it was all a live TV, um, the coming together, the person who brought the donuts, mm-hmm. I interviewed the mom, mm-hmm. the mom who brought our kid, you know, they were feeling all of those things sitting at home. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us were having trouble processing and articulating. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, I feel the need to just pour out. It was honestly a little therapeutic for me. Mm-hmm. And I know that that sharing that side of a reporter is um, important because I, I just knew there were other people who were having all kinds of emotions too, mm-hmm. and that it's okay. Mm-hmm. And that you're not alone if you're figuring this out mm-hmm. um, right now. And really, as I was driving home, it's, it was, what do I tell my kids when I get home? Mm-hmm. Because they're going to want to know what happened. Right. What you know, you got called into work on a you know Saturday morning. What happened? Mm-hmm. And I wanted them to understand what I saw. Mm-hmm. What would I tell my kids? And that's what I would tell them. Right. I would tell them these stories. I would tell them um, what it, what I saw and what it felt like. And I don't know. I I'm grateful to have the space to share it. It was a very vulnerable thing mm-hmm. for me to to post and talk about. I hope that people saw sincerity and that is the beginning of processing emotions. What I felt then was very raw and real. Mm-hmm. And as I continued to process, I had other emotions too, mm-hmm. you know. So So today there is a lot of hurt and heartbreak within the Asian and BIPOC 
communities. When you look out and around, where do you see signs of hope and change? I immediately see signs of hope and change by the Asian Americans in our community who are courageous enough to to raise their voices. Mm. When I saw the Asian American teacher Mm. who got hit in the face Mm. with rocks in the Chinatown International District and at the rally, she stood up there wearing the same clothes Mm. that she wore the night she was assaulted Mm. to to send a message Mm. of strength and to say, we have been silent for so long. We will not be silent anymore, that this is not okay. And that to see her as a victim of a crime speak out Mm. and to see she's speaking out in a crowd of hundreds of hundreds of people Mm -hmm. who showed up, that doesn't happen. And, And to know that wait a second, she's speaking out, other people are speaking out, this, there's something different here, something shifting, mm-hmm. and just feeling a sense of being empowered mm-hmm. that um, we don't have to be silent anymore. We don't. Amazing. That's, mm-hmm. thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I want to end on that note. This is just the beginning of many conversations. You know, I yeah. just feel like in some ways we really scratched the surface yeah. on, on this topic and the beauty of it is we're friends. Yeah. So we can talk about this anytime you want, but I do really appreciate the space, a safe space to have this conversation. And I hope that you learned a lot and I hope that you um, are inspired to know more. Thank you for being bold enough for yourself to ask these questions and have this conversation. Yeah. More, 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 right? Yes. Thank you for coming alongside this journey with us. Thank you for listening in and being a part of our conversations the whole way through. What Mimi said is so true. There is a shifting. There has been a new sense of empowerment. And we don't stay silent anymore. And that not only goes for her story as an Asian American woman, But it goes from my story as a white woman. We are coming to the one-year anniversary of George Floyd's death. And I will say this year has been a monumental year of learning for me. It was eyes wide open, scales removed, acute awareness, and really leaning in and listening with new ears to hear And I mean here, the pains and the hurt that so many people have been feeling for so long and is now just being realized after a reckoning. And she's so right. We do have a responsibility with the next generation. It's our opportunity to change things now. We have not done a good job of changing things in the past. But for my children and her children and your children and the world around us, this is our opportunity. What we have experienced this last year cannot be for nothing. I hope you'll continue to have these conversations within your own spheres. Like I said at the beginning, I've had the most conversations I've ever had in my lifetime with people I've known for almost a lifetime and never talked with them about it. And sometimes uncomfortable conversations are the exact conversations we need to be having. Thanks again, friends, so much for just participating and having dialogues of your own. And a special thank you to Mimi for sitting with me for such a long time and letting me ask the awkward, uncomfortable conversations 
we met each other with respect, sincerity, tenderness, bravery, and vulnerability. And I don't know if you could ask for anything more in a conversation between two friends. Let's you and I keep going there. Thanks for being a part of these conversations.